Okay, welcome everybody to the next Purple Nights podcast. I'm very excited to have with me today a guest all the way from the UK. Uh, She's creative, she likes to say. It's an umbrella term that encompasses all kinds of things, writing and and, uh, making playlists and all kinds of creative ventures. So please welcome Vicki Lee. Hi, that's me. How are you doing, Vicky? I'm doing okay. Very excited to be on my first ever podcast. Oh, very, very fun. Yeah, I know you've you've listened to the podcast before, right? You've watched me on YouTube. Yeah, I think I listened to one of your interviews with Susan Rogers. Okay, I love yeah. Susan. And did you did you enjoy that? Did you get did you get anything out of it? I I've been to sleep since then. My memory's not so good, but I probably did. I think that listening to anyone who's engaged with Prince, just hearing about the process or what they did, it's just like, it fuels everything because he's just so interesting and I want to know everything about him. Yes, yes, same here. It was very interesting and very surreal for me to talk to Susan. So very, very blessed to do that. And Also, this will be the first time anyone's hearing about this, so you're the the first one to hear the news, but hopefully Susan Rogers will be back on the podcast this fall to discuss her new book, Uh, This Is What It Sounds Like, Why We Love the Music We Love. So it's uh, basically some neuroscience research she did about why people love the music they love and how the brain experiences music. So I'm looking forward to reading that book and talking with Susan at length about the book, and it should be very, very fascinating stuff. So look for that this fall on the Purple Nights podcast. And so today we're talking about the as-yet-unreleased infamous Camille album that Prince uh, planned to put out in 1986. But of course, a lot of those tracks ended up on other projects like the Black Album and of course the Double Album Side of the Times. But today we're going to talk about the Camille album because we're both excited that the album will eventually be released by Jack White and Third Man Records. So we're going to talk freely about an unreleased album, knowing that it will be officially released at some point in the future. I know Prince Aficionado, Dr. Funkenberry, we love him, has speculated that that uh, the release is kind of far off yet, and there'll be some things that will come out in between in the interim, but he's speculating that it'll be sometime next year in 2023 where it will come out, but we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, Vicky, did you want to give us some background on Camille? Yes. Um, I, I think in terms of Prince Projects, Camille is one of my favourites and means a lot to me because I'm a trans woman and we can go into stuff about how Camille plays into that over the course of it. But um, 
before I knew I was trans, I was kind of fascinated by the whole Camille thing. And I, I ran some numbers in prep for this episode and listening to it. And I found out that even though there's the Camille album that we all know, love and hopefully are going to get, it was, I think, Love or Money in 1986 that was the first time that Prince used sped up vocals. And that went all the way through to the song, I don't know how you say it, Dollar Money in 2009. So even though we've got the Camille album and songs that even won on the Camille album, it feels like Camille lived from 1985, 86 to 2009 but obviously there's the main album that everybody talks about. Right. Right. And yeah, that track on Lotus flowers called money. And money. yeah, he does use that. Uh, he does use that sped up Camille Camille voice on that track. So we could say it's like a, a resurrection of Camille, if you would, but yeah, even, even tracks like you got the look, which, which wasn't on, the Camille album proper, but you got the look is actually credited to Camille. Uh, so it's interesting to to think about how how different albums and different projects sort of overlap within that 86 to 87, 88 period because and we've even got a Camille track officially released in 89 as the B-side to Party Man, which of course is Fill You Up. So um but we'll get to that. Um, anything else, Vicky, you'd like to add? Yeah. Um, before the Party Man B-side came out, Scarlet Pussy was actually put out as the B-side to I Wish You Heaven. And that was, like I think, that's the first and only official credit to Camille. Because if you flip over the I Wish You Heaven single, it actually has like a black label peach writing. And it says written by or credited to Camille. So there was that, but also I remember when Sign of the Times came out, the big Super Deluxe edition and the podcast was going out. I'm pretty sure that Wendy from The Revolution said that um, whenever Prince would finish a song and put together compilations of songs, she addressed Crystal Ball and songs like Crystal Ball and Dream Factory are kind of have that sped up Camille voice and... I've read that Crystal Ball was supposed to be credited to Camille, but Wendy said that it was only credited to Camille because he just was in that space at the time. So whether Prince intended for the triple album Crystal Ball to be Camille or to be Prince is kind of, I don't think we'll ever know, but it's just interesting to think that songs like Crystal Ball itself and Dream Factory have that sped up vocal and in an alternate universe maybe then there might have been the triple album credit to Camille. Yeah, that was very, very, very cool. Like all the, like I say, all the overlap between all the different albums and projects and Camille sort of sprinkled somewhat on all of them. Uh, yeah, but it's very exciting to, uh, to learn of the uh, purchase of the album by, by Jack White. And I, I must admit, I'm, I'm quite ignorant of Jack White's work actually myself, but uh, this news that he's releasing Camille kind of makes me want to give him a shot and, and get into his music a bit more. But yeah, I'm very excited. And 
you were actually the reason that I that I first learned of Jack White's plan to release the uh, Camille album on his label, Third Man Records. And you actually broke the news on Twitter and also on Prince.org. Uh, it was from Rolling Stone, right? Was it just the the British Rolling Stone or was it the American Rolling Stone? I was kind of confused on that. The article itself um, over in the UK, I don't know about in the US, but in the UK, there's a magazine called Mojo Magazine. And oh, Mojo, for... Mojo, yeah. yes, Mojo. I'm sorry, I said Rolling Stone, but yeah, Mojo. Jack White has a new album coming out on April the 8th, so this Friday, as we're recording. But he was the cover, cover star of Mojo Magazine to talk about it. And before it came out, I read that Prince's name came up in like a synopsis of his interview. So I was like, okay. I like Prince. I've been a fan of Jack White since I was 13 and hearing them both in the same sentence was kind of like worlds colliding. So I rushed to the store to get it because it said about an unreleased Prince project. And I'm like, what has this guy got? I can't remember anything that's been sold recently. So I opened it and in a little red bubble on one of the pages, it said um, it had a photo of the Camille test pressing and it said how Jack had purchased it for $49,000 and I literally was like I wanted to burst out crying in the shop because it's the most exciting thing that I'd ever read and then as soon as I read it I knew that I had to I had to get this news out and I kind of wanted to be the first person to say it and I kind of was and I ended up being in Rolling Stone kind of so that's my claim to fame okay so that's where I'm getting the Rolling Stone reference from okay so sorry about that confusion but yeah very very exciting news and of course uh third man records collaborated previously with with the prince estate uh releasing the the 12 inch singles box for the around the time of the deluxe sound of the times so they've worked with the estate in the past to put out quality products so i'm just assuming that this is another one of those deals where you know they're they're happy to work together and happy to collaborate on a great product that's really worthy of standalone release and as i've said to you before on our twitter conversations um even though all these tracks have been officially released in some form or another to hear these songs in this sequence in this configuration is absolutely mind-blowing because i think it's prince's it could rival the black album and i believe it does but that's a whole other discussion it could rival the black album as prince's funkiest over most consistently funky album that he's ever done but yeah let's uh let's get started and talk about the album proper uh Vicky, I'm a gentleman, so ladies first. Here we go with Rebirth of the Flesh. Um, I really, str- I have notes for all of the songs, but for the first one, I really struggled to write down notes. And the one of the only things that I could get out of this song was, is the title Rebirth of the Flesh a metaphor for ejaculation? How do you feel about that? Huh, that, <laughs> that is interesting. I mean, 
could you could you go further into that? I mean, what what lyrical references led you to that to that uh, hypothesis? We're about this is about to get so vulgar. I'm so sorry, but that's the kind of person I am. Just the idea of like rebirth of the flesh. It just if you think about the act right. and finishing the act, that could be like rebirth of the flesh. Right. If that makes any sense. Right. But right. Then like, we'll... Right. Right. Like a coming into being, you know, like a coming into, you know, that's as that's as far as I'll go to the, with that. Yeah. But yeah, I totally get your reference. Uh yeah, that totally works. Uh lyrically, you know, he's talking about especially in the 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 officially released version that that was released in 2020 on the side of the time super deluxe we get those extra lyrics about about um you know you could have been my wife but all you do is steal you know and, and this idea of a of a relationship kind of going sour and it kind of gives you if you know prince's history it kind of gives you a vibe that he had recently been in a fight with his then fiance Susanna Melvoin, who's Wendy Melvoin, the revolution guitarist. Susanna is, of course, her twin sister. So it sort of gives you the vibe that he's talking about Susanna, but it's interesting to finally hear those those extra lyrics that were edited, you know, from previous and bootleg versions um, to finally be released on the official version but yeah uh it's a it's an interesting song and lyrically lyrically yeah it's hard to figure out what the uh what the message is really about i think it's about i think it's overall it's a party song it's about um you know basically you know living your life as a as a party and just being in the vibe of, of, you know, uh, existing within the groove and alongside the groove and letting it, you know, take you over, you know, the idea of, you know, rebirth of the flesh is all over you, which with Vicky's, uh, with Vicky's observation, you know, that could be another, you know, <laughs> potentially vulgar, uh, a thing to delve into but um, yeah I think it's a, a party song overall and it's a good way to open the album and it's a really funky track and for years this was the only studio track that hadn't been released in any official form so to have it finally be released officially two years ago was was a big deal and i'm like i say i'm glad we got the full version with all the lyrics intact and it's just a great song to open the album ridiculously funky ridiculously danceable um yeah great great song vicky do you have any other thoughts on rebirth of the flesh yes in a in a less vulgar turn of events um 
around the time of 86, I think it was, Prince was doing the whole The Flesh project session. And that seemed to me like a throwaway, people having fun together kind of vibe. And another reading that I have of Rebirth of the Flesh is kind of like doing The Flesh project again, but kind of as himself or as an alter ego with less people but it's kind of like the same kind of side project thing so rather than having the flesh again with whatever songs they recorded he thought hey I'm going to do it again by myself in this way that that totally works as a as a fodder as a as a reference to the the meaning of the song I mean the flesh was a it was it was like a one-off it was like a one-off you know like you were saying, you know, a, a jam session, basically. And it was, it was in some ways, it was a precursor to Madhouse, which is Prince's instrumental, you know, funk jazz uh, combo that he had with Eric Leeds. And uh, yeah, that, that totally makes sense as far as the meaning of the song, Rebirth of the, the Concept of the Flesh and the Flesh Sessions. And yeah. So anything you want to say about the vibe of the song that that particularly particularly interests you or grabs you in any way? I kind I have this habit of looking at even if an album isn't a concept album, I make it a concept album. And for this, I've written down Camille and their party people have arrived, calling an audience to the dance floor to see them all wreck the joint. There you go. There you go. And that leads perfectly, that description leads perfectly into the, into the next track, which is the breakout dance floor track, Housequake, which is one of the uh, best, you know, most supreme party songs that Prince ever wrote, in my opinion. And uh, I don't know, it's like at this point, what can I say about Housequake that millions of other people haven't really said over the years and all i can say is i love the song it's the ultimate party song it's trying to start a start a dance craze so in that way it kind of harkens back to those so american songs in the 1950s like the the twist that try to start a dance craze um but yeah it's a it's a tremendously funky song and it's basically about, you know, the party's broken out and it's in full swing. And uh, we got to we gotta get our party on and get it all out of our system before the cops come and bust everybody, which is basically what Camille is saying in, in the song. And yeah, it's, it's one of Prince's greatest, greatest funk songs and sort of greatest homages to james brown um yeah it's an epic epic song and one of one of the top one of the top songs i think prince has ever done certainly in the in the top 10 for me uh vicky what do you think of housequake i've written down two significant points um one is that it's instructions on how to do a dance that he's created, which is kind of like Horny Pony that would come out as the B-side to 
something in the Diamonds and Pearls era. It was used a couple of times. And when I was listening to Sign of the Times for the 35th anniversary the other day, as it was going through Sign of the Times, playing the sunshine, and then got to Housequake, and you've suddenly got Camille coming in, even though Camille wasn't released at the time, I feel like Housequake, in the context of Sign of the Times, act as kind of like a hijacking of the setting of Sign of the Times. And then you've just suddenly got this person come in to make stuff go crazy and try and start a dance in the middle of it all. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting observation. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, um, you know, it's kind of like a in the in America we have like we have like tests for the emergency broadcast system. So if there was a natural disaster or a tornado or some type of storm, uh, the test would sort of break into regular programming and and you know interrupt and sort of hijack the the broadcast. So I I definitely see that that sort of metaphor here in the context of Son of the Times, like you say, it's sort of a, a hijacking of the the vibe of the album. But yeah, definitely it's it's one of the best songs uh Prince released, I would say. And then we get to another one of my favorites from Son of the Times. Uh strange relationship and it's kind of an anomaly in the uh in the sense of you know prince's um usual habit of constructing albums where usually the third track on an album is a ballad uh when you when you're dealing with prince so i would i would i would have um thought that he would have put a song like if i was your girlfriend as track number three to sort of, you know, cement that usual uh, Prince album format of having the third track be a slower ballad type of song, but it's strange relationship. And this is um, another great, great song, of course, in with the Sun of the Times Super Deluxe Edition two years ago. We finally got the full, the full take of the Dream Factory version of Strange Relationship, which has a prominent sitar in the mix, uh, uh, a fake sitar because it's played on keyboard by Lisa Coleman uh, with a patch, some kind of a patch that she used to play it, but it's a sitar sound, and and I've always loved that version. I've always sort of preferred it to the side of the times Camille version, but I love the uh, Camille version as well. And one of my favorite live renditions that Prince has ever done was, and, and I want to tread carefully on this because we're talking about, you know, unreleased bootleg material, but I don't care because it's one of my favorite performances that he's done. Uh, strange relationship on for those of you on volume uh, if any of you are familiar with that bootleg is one of my favorite performances of all time it's just so funky and the late great Bonnie Boyer who I love 
does great, great vocal ad libs on there. And I just love it so much. So yeah, Strange Relationship has has been one of my favorite songs over the years. And, and I believe it dates all the way back to 1984. I could be wrong on that. Um, you might want to check on princevault.com just to be sure. But I believe it dates all the way back to 1984, maybe even earlier. But yeah, it's a great, great song. And it's another one of those songs that I believe references his relationship with Susanna. So it's interesting in that personal historical context. Uh, Vicky, what do you think of Strange Relationship? Um, I've got the, it was an, an, another hijacking by Camille in a way, because with Wendy and Lisa being on it and it about being about Susanna, it kind of feels like Camille has come in and stole this thing from the revolution and it's now a Camille song. But I also wrote down, because it's about Susanna, I think, does Camille have the ability to love or is Camille just a mouthpiece for Prince's own feelings? Oh, wow. So it's like an alter ego that that tackle that that takes on problems or issues that Prince himself can face. That's an interesting yes. that's an interesting that's a fascinating actually point of view and a very, very good point. Um, and I want to remember to get uh, touch back on that when we get to if I was your girlfriend because that's a fascinating point of view, but yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to sit in that thought for a while and, and see if anything comes to me with that. But yeah, what a, what a fascinating observation, but yeah, that's a strange relationship. And then we have, what's next? Vicky? Oh, we've got feel you up, which is actually the the version the long stroke version so the full version nearly six and a half minutes and this is this is like one of my guilty pleasure songs because i know i know some people like for instance my friend jimmy pop royalty who comes on the podcast a lot and uh as a co-host and contributor, um, I know she tends to shy away from the songs that are, that have a lot of male bravado and, you know, um, blatant sexuality to where it's like, you know, uh, yeah, I just want to, you know, I don't want to be your man. I just want to fill you up, you know? stuff like that that's really sort of immature and sexually you know shallow and and pretty uh blunt and direct you know i think of a song like mr happy from emancipation that's kind of in the same vein of that you know male sexual bravado uh you know pretty much going on at a hundred percent but um I I personally love this song because I'm a red-blooded, you know, American heterosexual male. So I can definitely 
empathize with, you know, the feeling of, you know, just being overtaken by, by lust and just, you know, being in that mindset. So I love the song. And then plus the groove itself is really, really funky. And I love the fact that it's the longer version of the song on here because I don't think an edited version would would uh, quite pack the punch that the the that the long stroke does. Um, yeah, I just I just love everything about the song. He has a little little giggle in there at one point that's very very cool and and uh you know the horns that come on you know later in the song i think i think they're actually keyboards instead of horns but i'm not sure but yeah this song is just incredibly funky and it keeps the party vibe going with the the groove and the beat and yeah the the message of it is just you know i want to I want to fill you up and, you know, put my hands all over you. And it's, it's a total 100% lust. You know, there's no, there's no love here. There's no, you know, thoughts of marriage or commitment, you know, it's just, you know, you know, pure sex. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great, great song. And, it just keeps the vibe and the funky energy of the whole album. Um, you know, all these songs back to back, Rebirth of the Flesh, Housequake, Strange Relationship, and Fill You Up. I mean, those four together are just, you know, it's almost like funk overload for me, but in a in the greatest way possible. But Vicky, what do you think of Fill You Up? I feel like when I was listening to the album, sorry, I feel like when I was listening to the album, I was kind of going into the psyche of Camille because I wrote down that um, it kind of feels like a betrayal because before in Strange Relationship, Camille was talking about all these relationship troubles and everything. And all of a sudden, this Camille character or the prince himself was is out on the club looking at all these women and wanting to get a feel of them. But I also ran some numbers and found out that this dates back to 1981. And I think I'm right in saying the 1999 Super Deluxe Edition put it with Irresistible Bitch. Yep. And together it's like a 10 minute suite, but it's weird to think that Irresistible Bitch came out in... 84 and then fill you up was planned to come out in 86 but didn't make out until 89 yeah yeah that's interesting um it's kind of it's it kind of begs the question if if Camille if if irresistible bitch is like a a Camille song like in disguise like if they were put together like that it kind of begs the question if Irresistible Bitch in some ways could be called a Camille song, but I guess that's a whole other discussion. But yeah, the the 1981 version was, as you said, released in 2019 with the the uh, 
1999 Super Deluxe Edition in a suite with Irresistible Bitch. And uh, yeah, I mean, they're they're both great, great songs and they're both they're both kind of, uh, you know, kind of the 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 shallow, you know, um, one track mind shallow, you know, male bravado type of <laughs> songs, you know, but um, I, I appreciate it. You know, I could see where, where some people would think that songs like these are, are misogynistic a little bit, but, and I, I totally get that, but I think, I think, you know, Prince was playing it a little bit tongue in cheek with songs like this. So I wouldn't lend 100% credence to the idea that, that he was being a misogynist because as we get later into the album and in the discussion of if I was your girlfriend, I wanted to say that I think Prince was one of the greatest artists, one of the greatest male artists, I think, at seeing seeing the feminine side of things and seeing the seeing things from the the point of view of a woman so i think i think the prince was very sensitive in that way and very aware of you know how women saw things and felt things and i think he was very aware very in tune with that feminine side of himself to the point where he could put himself in the shoes of a woman so and it'd be very very interesting like i say to talk about that and i think vicky is the perfect uh perfect guest to talk about that issue a little more but we'll get there eventually um next we have what do we have i need to close my tab and and look at my track list again we have shaka delica oh my god feel you up Feel you up going into Shockadelica. I mean, how how much more funky can you get? I mean, oh my god, what a what a one-two punch in the middle of the album to go from feel you up to Shockadelica. And oh my god, what can I say about this song? I don't know. I I love it, but Vicky, I'll let you go first with Shockadelica. I I feel like this is kind of a darker song because for those of you who don't know, I'm doing um, English and history at uni. So I'm kind of fine tuned to go through stuff like poems and pick out stuff for imagery. And I wrote down how the lyrics, the lights go out, the smell of doom, the bed's on fire and your fate is, your fate is sealed. It plays with this sensory experience. And if you think of fire and if you think of doom it doesn't create a nice area for you to be in and I also feel like this is um the title track of the album in a way because Camille is mentioned so much and it's like the first proper introduction to Camille and it's funny to say that this is the title track for me because I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that I think Jesse Johnson recorded an album called Shockadelica and he didn't have a title track so Prince was like this is how you do it, and this is how you do it, because this is one of my top three songs on the album. Right, right. 
and I, I love I love the idea that it's like the de facto title track for Camille because again that's the whole idea of Camille stealing somebody else's thunder in a sense you know taking taking uh Jesse's track away from him and making it his his own title track in a sense so I love I love that connection that you just made and yeah it's a very very dark dark song of course you know you have with the with the love sexy era and that whole that whole tour you have the idea of Camille versus Spooky Electric Camille being the light side and Spooky Electric being the dark side but in this song Shagadelica it's kind of reversed where Camille is sort of the dark side and then the light side we don't really it's kind of obscured it's kind of in the fog a little bit so we don't really get to see what the light side actually is but yeah i i never really thought about it in depth but it is a it is a darker song and it does evoke hellish images and and uh you know and uh yeah but it's it's a uh, you know from from a musical standpoint you know the beat is funky the the lyrics are poetic but the the delivery of the lyrics is very impassioned at some points and then very very comical and tongue-in-cheek in others you know that whole part with you lay you're laying on my guitar you know <laughs> it makes me laugh even though you know he he uh says a you know derogatory slur towards women but again i think it's tongue-in-cheek and i don't think it's really meant to offend i think it's part of a part of the humorous you know side of prince and camille in particular that that is just coming out but yeah i love i love the song and, and it's it's very dark and very funky and in that way it, it kind of evokes for me the vibe of the black album which vicky i know you and i have talked you know um you know the there's some overlap between the vibe of camille and the black album which is really apparent when we get to the last track but i'm i'm jumping ahead of myself here but um yeah but shockadelica the long version um Great, great track, and I love it. Anything else you want to add about Shakadelica, Vicky? Um, one of my favorite lines in the song is when he says, Girl must be a witch, bitch. And I don't know, I wrote down, I don't know if that's Prince referring to himself, Camille, as the witch or somebody else, but that's just another mystery to Camille. Oh, the, yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. You know, you've got you've got these sort of supernatural elements with the bed on fire and then he brings the, the idea of a witch into it so it's it's interesting to uh approach the lyrics you know with the with with a sort of supernatural mindset you know in mind um so yeah definitely but shockadelic a great song and then i believe we have good love it is indeed this song 
is to me it's just the equivalent of of sunshine if you could put sunshine into a into music it would be a song like good love and of course you know the more obvious one would be a song like play in the sunshine and even musically when i hear a song like i could never take the place of your man musically that's like you know musical sunshine to my ears but this falls into that category for me when i listen to it it's just so upbeat and it lifts my mood completely you know when i hear it so it's just a great great song and and it's another it's another one of those songs that's about you know seizing the moment and just enjoying life and um you know dancing and you know it's just a a real positive message you know you have to have you have to have good love in your life and um you know and it's all cherry pie and apple kisses and everything is cool you know so i love that i love that idea and uh yeah of course this previously appeared it was released on the film soundtrack to the michael j fox film bright lights big city which is a very dark film about about addiction so it's kind of interesting the juxtaposition of this very upbeat song, which in the movie it plays in a club, a seedy nightclub that Michael J. Fox's character goes to to score drugs. And this is the song that's playing in the club is is good love. So um very interesting, you know, juxtaposition, you know, to have this song playing in such a dark, seedy, you know, environment. But yeah, great, great song overall. And of course, Prince released an edited version uh, of the 1998 compilation album Crystal Ball, which was meant to sort of subvert the the uh, bootleggers and sort of mock them in a sense, you know, to where Prince was thinking, you know, if you want to release a a random collection of tracks, you know, this is the way this is the way to do it with these, you know, completed polished mixes as opposed to how bootleggers normally release content, which is very, very much unfinished tracks and, you know, rough demos of things. So Prince sort of wanted to subvert the bootleggers in that sense. And the edited version is okay, but I definitely prefer the, the full version that's on the Camille album. And like I said, as well on the bright lights, big city motion pictures soundtrack. So Vicky, what are your thoughts on good love? If I were to describe the song in a way, it would be, I wrote a very playful, upbeat, bright song. And I think that that kind of goes with the fact that it was in a film called bright lights, big city. And there's an instrument in the song I don't know what it is but if I were to close my eyes when I listen to it I could just imagine all the hits of let's say the keyboard that it's being played with I can imagine all the hits of the keyboard would be these flashing bright lights and I also feel like I wrote down that it could be a praise for a partner's sexual ability because um 
The lyrics include, in the heat of the night, you know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that reference. And yeah, like you were talking about the the various mysterious instruments, especially towards the end of the song. Um, they very much give a circus-like atmosphere and it kind of, uh, you know, kind of hearkening back to my my love of of the Beatles, it kind of makes me think of a track like Being for the Benefit of Mr. Kite, where you have all these instruments and all these circusy type sounds going on. You have a similar aesthetic, I think, in Good Love, especially the latter half of the song. Um, it's very, very playful, as you said, and very, very much a circus <laughs> circus vibe so it's like it's like you know and when it, when you think about you know your idea of you know praising a partner's sexual sexual prowess it's like you know the the term sexual gymnastics uh sort of springs to mind with that that circus vibe on the end of the song but yeah very very interesting very good track the next track, which is the penultimate track, is "If I Was Your Girlfriend," and I've always, I've always gone on record saying that the two, the the two songs that for me personally encapsulate Prince's genius are "When Doves Cry" is number one, and "If I Was Your Girlfriend" is closely, closely number two. So those two tracks, if you wanted to sum up Prince's Genius in two tracks, it would be Wind Doves Cry and If I Was Your Girlfriend. And a small editing note is that on the Camille album, the intro of the street vendor saying, look at, look at the bargains over here, ladies, in the wedding march is omitted in the Camille album version. So that was just a small, a small editing note for Prince nerds like myself. But yeah, this is one of the the greatest songs Prince released, bar none. And uh, I know Vicky has, probably has a lot to say about it, so I'll let her go first and sort of piggyback off of what what she says. But yeah, a very a very deep song with a lot of feeling, a lot of emotion, a lot of depth, and just a great, great track. One of the greatest in Prince's catalog. So yeah, Vicky, take it away. If I was your girlfriend. Of of all the notes that I made on the Camille songs, I think this is the one that I got the most for. So we might be here for a while. Um, good. I, good. I wrote I wrote that he plays around with the gender stereotypes and he takes the role and positions of what's expected of a man in a heterosexual relationship and places them onto a lesbian relationship, or at least that's my reading of the song. And he asks if those two people, now both women, could um, still do the same things in the relationship as a guy and a girl if it was now two women. And strange relationship earlier in the album to me kind of feels like a melancholic feeling and this song if I was your girlfriend kind of goes back to that for me 
but he still manages to put in a funky bass line in there and this expansive percussion. And as you listen to it more towards the end, I've written that it grows and grows almost like an ejaculation until it reaches a climactic ending. And his vocals are double tracked. So there's a deeper take of Prince's voice singing back up with the fastened or pitch shifted version of himself. And to conclude, I wrote that this is a true Prince song mix mixing playful lyrics with more thought provoking ones. He plays every instrument and vocal was mixing melancho melancholic. I will say it right with the funky. That's okay, my review. Yeah. yeah, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to say something because that, that really strikes me. And I know you're, you're a writer and you've been a contributor to the violent reality, which shout out to Casey Rain and Kim Camellia and everybody involved with the violent reality that to me that description that you just gave or the those notes sound to me like the beginning of an abstract for a brilliant paper for a brilliant essay please I don't really, tempt me i really think you should do it okay. i want you i want you i want you to write i want you to write a paper on that because that what you just said what you just said there was brilliant and I could I could go on too for hours on this song and it's just it's one of the most remarkable remarkable songs Prince wrote and I just I don't don't want to go on to sound like a broken record but earlier yeah I was saying that Prince is one of the the greatest artists you know at channeling the the feminine point of view in his songs and this is the the number one song that does this most effectively in his entire catalog and it's just a, a brilliant brilliant song and and uh you know the you know to get to get a little psychological you know one of the best lines my favorite prince lyric of all time is would you run to me if somebody hurt you even if that somebody was me so it's it's and to me it's like a it shows a level of self-awareness and self-acceptance and self-accountability to where you know um it's like he knows he's gonna screw up and he knows he's gonna hurt her in this relationship but he has enough self-awareness and self-accountability to say hey i recognize that but even if i'm the one that hurt you would you still be would you still be forgiving enough to come to me and tell me about that and explain that and and work on it and work on ways that I could be better and treat you better in the relationship. At least that's what I get out of that line. And it's so profound and so touching to me. I don't know. I don't really know how to des describe it or explain it other than in those terms. But yeah, it's a great, great line. And, and this song as a whole is so, it's so intimate and so revealing uh, in terms of Prince's psyche or if it's if it's if it's not exactly Prince's psyche 
like you said, Vicky, it could just be the psyche of the character Camille, but I'd like to think it's it's Prince's psyche uh, really showing through because I think, uh, and this has been documented most most recently in the 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 book by Dwayne Tudal, Prince in the Parade inside of the Times Era Studio Sessions, and if anybody watching the podcast hasn't read that book yet or picked it up, I would strongly suggest it. It's one of the best uh, scholarly works on Prince that has ever been done, along with his book on the Purple Rain Sessions. Both of those are are immaculate, immaculate chronicles of important uh, periods in Prince's life, both personally and professionally. But yeah, it's been chronicled that this, that the prince felt um, shut out or isolated from from Susanna in in the way that she had such an intimate relationship with her twin sister, and he became jealous and resentful of that. So this song, "If I Was Your Girlfriend," is sort of um, to me. It's sort of you know, exploring that that jealousy and exploring the idea of what if what if I could have that closeness with you that you have with your sister or in general what what like like Vicky was saying in lesbian relationships, what if we could have that that emotional, spiritual, sexual connection that only two women can have? So it's very, 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 very deep and very, very emotional. And it's just an absolute gem of a song. And I can't really say anything beyond that without, you know, repeating myself and sounding like a broken record. But, but, um, Vicky, yeah, you definitely, you definitely need to, uh, to write a long form essay on on elaborating on your thoughts because uh they're just brilliant and you as a transgender woman you have a lot you have a lot to um you know to to contribute to that idea of you know gender flexibility and you know i don't want to be insensitive but you know you have you have a lot of expertise and experience to lend in that area of of analysis so i think i think for you to do an essay on that would just be a wonderful thing and i i really hope you do but um any other thoughts on the track if i was your girlfriend yes you i can't remember what you said now memory's terrible but going back or linking it to strange relationship again for that song i wrote um the lyric I had to make you mine maybe Camille showing her Susanna that everyone else treats her bad and while they may too at least um it's built on a foundation of love so it's to me that line in strange relationship is Camille or Prince going that I'm gonna make you mine and I might hurt you but if I do then it will be built on a foundation of love rather than everyone else just doing it for whatever right Right, that's a 
wow, that's a profound observation as well. And, uh, you know, I just, in strange relationship, you know, I just keep going back to the, the line, which is another brilliant line, but it's, it's sad and it's, it's controversial in a way, but it's, it's sad, but, you know, sometimes, you know, emotions aren't really black and white. There's a gray area with emotions, you know? So he says, baby, I just can't stand to see you happy, but more than that, I hate to see you sad. So it's kind of like stuck in between the, the, the two, um, you know, the polarity of, of emotions, you know, happiness and sadness, you know, I don't want to see you in either of those, in either of those mindsets, you know, right. So it's kind of paradoxical in a way, but I think it's a brilliant line because it speaks to the, you know, the, the complexity of thought and the complexity of emotion that sometimes, you know, it isn't, you know, emotions aren't clear cut in black and white, you know, sometimes, sometimes there's a gray area. So I don't know exactly where I was going with that, but um, it's interesting to think of from a psychological standpoint, you know, um, especially in the in the dynamic of a relationship where you're, you know, you're really invested, you know, with your own emotions and then taking, you know, taking your partner's emotions into into account as well. And just that emotional investment and, you know, sort of vacillating between or, or being stuck in this gray area to where, I don't want, I hate to see you happy, but I hate to see you sad as well. So it's, it's very psychologically complex and, but yeah, um, relating this back to if I was your girlfriend, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very dynamic and very groundbreaking in the sense of, you know, exploring a, a relationship, you know, a, a same-sex relationship, whether it's whether it's sexual or platonic or familial, you know, um, it's it's a groundbreaking song, and it's very, it's got so very many layers. We could do a, we could probably do a three-hour podcast just on this one song if we really wanted to, but yeah, what a what a great monumental epic song in prince's catalog and i just can't say enough good about it so if i was your girlfriend and then we get to the end of the album which is a out which is a track that was originally released on the black album which is a rare album in and of itself and it was given a limited release finally in 1994 and with the way legal legality is and with all the red tape and all the all the different rights holders and the contracts that were signed and agreed upon i i hate to say it but my my intuition is that that the black album will will not be re-released for a very very long time if ever again so i just i just know that it's tied up in in you know a bunch of legal legal issues with it so but this this track was originally on the black album and it's rock hard in a funky place 
Vicky, what are your notes on that track? Um, I don't have many, not nearly as many as the one before it, but I've written that it's a final hurrah for the party people. The song title might itself allude to a boner, rock hard in a funky place. There's tons of mentions, lyrical mentions of erections, but there's a verse that brings God into the mix, which is the classic Prince mixing the sexual with the profane. And I wrote that that verse where God comes into it could be alluding to wanting love and spirituality and escape from a life so tough. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's one of the reasons that I love Prince is that I, I've said it a lot and I really believe that at his core, his main message was, or one of his main messages was that spirituality and sexuality, you know, the faith and flesh don't have to be and are not mutually exclusive in the in the human experience. And that's one of the reasons that I've always loved loved Prince because you know he basically the message is that sex in and of itself is a spiritual thing and it's it's part of it's it's the other half of 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 spirituality it's the other half of of human existence human existence boils down to the mixture of spirituality and sexuality or you know the physical and the spiritual you know melded together in one being which is you know what i sort of believe that the symbol you know that he adopted as his name and that's his trademark now um you know the symbol you know the male and female symbol combined you know known as the love symbol i think it not only unites male and female but it also in a in a more abstract sense it, it unites the the spiritual with the sexual wow that just came into my head out of nowhere but yeah rock hard in a funky place i mean it's very it's very sexual um you know and to uh go right up to the borderline on vulgar again uh there's that line you know soaked in banana cologne and if you just think about it for a while you know he, he could be talking about you know semen or ejaculate you know soaked in banana cologne no wonder you're all alone so so it's just a it, it's a creative way to talk about these very 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 visceral very sexual things and and uh, i think it's it's just another testament of prince's brilliance as a as a lyricist and as a you know as a thinker to where he can think of these things these creative ways to express himself and uh so um vicky do you want to say anything more about the last track or would you like to um do you have any closing comments overall to to close out the discussion of the album there is one thing hold on i need to find it okay um the only thing that i haven't said about the song is that it's got this false fade out 
and then it comes in again and then Prince says something like what the fuck kind of ending was that and it kind of feels like <laughs> a meta acknowledgement that this whole album is just a trip it's different it's kind of otherworldly it's got Prince that isn't Prince and he's kind of like acknowledging that everything that's just gone before is kind of like what the hell's just happened but it's still very very good oh yeah I definitely agree with that and I'm like I say if I haven't said it before um, and I don't believe I've said it before I mentioned Jack White briefly earlier but thank you so much Mr. White for first of all purchasing the album second of all um you know, being willing to release it to the public. And I think it's just such a wonderful thing. And I'll go back to what I said earlier too, about even though we've heard these songs, you know, before on other albums and from other sources to hear them in totality in this configuration is enlightening in a way because it it's it's so it's another testament to prince's artistry and his ability to make to make albums you know like prince said um albums matter and sequences matter and you know um how you structure an album matters and hearing this configuration it's like just uh like you say it's a trip it's a blast of of funky energy and it's it's entering into another universe for you know however the long however long the album is 40 odd minutes or so um it's it's taking a trip into into the funky side of prince another another side of prince that we haven't seen, you know, it's a, it's a, you, you know, like you said, it's, it's Prince that isn't Prince, you know? So it's, it's really trippy in that way, but it's, it's trippy in the, in the, in the best sense of the word, you know? So I'm so glad and so indebted to Jack White for being willing and able to uh, release this gem of an album to the public and uh, like I said, I know with, like with anything else, with all, you know, art and everything else, there's always going to be haters. There's always going to be detractors, you know, but I believe that having this album released uh, in this configuration is, is really, really a gift, a gift to the world and another testament of Prince's artistry and his skill of sequencing albums and having albums that are vibes, you know, not necessarily pure con- concept albums, but like, like you say, and I kind of do the same thing, Vicky, is I make, I make albums into concept albums that aren't really concept albums, but with Prince they are because they all tend to have their own vibe and exist in their own isolated universes because they're so different from album to album. And well, there's some commonalities from album to album, but on the whole, um, you know, each album is, is, is self-contained in its own little universe, I think. So 
yeah and this this album is just another another side another facet of prince that not a lot of people outside the hardcore fan base know about and appreciate so having that you know having that artistic statement you know be shared with with the masses i think is a great thing and i think it will only add to and enhance prince's legacy so i'm really grateful to jack white for uh releasing this album and i hope it's sooner rather than later but uh speaking for myself i'm a very patient person so i'll uh you know i'll be enjoying everything and anything the prince estate puts out you know um and whether it's you know next month or next year uh i'll be really looking forward to seeing camille get an official release and i'll be really interested to see what what artwork they end up choosing for the official release of the album because there's been so many iterations of the artwork that have come through you know various bootlegs and and uh various discussions at one point um this was with dream factory but um i know Susanna herself did some artwork for the Dream Factory album, and Prince himself was rumored to have done um, some artwork for the Camille album at one point. So it'll be interesting to see what artwork they ultimately choose to represent the officially released album when all is said and done. So, uh, Vicky, any other closing thoughts? I have lots if you've got time for me to go through them. Okay, sure. Okay, so kind of piggybacking on your comment about the artwork. Um, whenever I think of Camille in my head, um, do you? I think it's Jeff Katz who was the Sign of the Times photographer. Do you know the photo shoot session where I think it was for the You Got the Look single and he's just stood with like the big coat, the big fairy coat on? Yeah, the white coat. Yeah, and then there's other shots of him with, like, the coat off or the coat over one shoulder. Whenever I close my eyes and think of Camille, that specific photo shoot is, like, the face and the look that, the look that I give to Camille. And I feel, personally, that um, I'm not saying they should use one of those photos for the album, but I'm just saying that, to me, that is Camille because it's sign of the times, it's you've got the look, that's a Camille song. And just the androgyny in that photo shoot prince feels like a woman even though prince isn't a woman and to me that's camille yeah i mean that totally that totally makes sense to me and even even uh piggybacking off what you said uh the photo i think that is most representative of camille is the uh the uh the the cover photo for the son of the times tour book if you're familiar with that um that's the one where he's wearing rouge and I believe he's wearing lipstick as well. So it's the full, it's the full on feminine iteration of Prince. And I believe that that image to me more than any other encapsulates what I, what I see as Camille. So. Do you um, mean the love sexy tour book? Yeah. Yeah. The love sexy tour book. I'm sorry. I said side of the oh, time. Right. Love sexy tour book. Yes. 
it's funny that you say that because one of the notes that I was going to say is how um, going back to the love or money thing, even though that's the first use of um, the vocal effect, Camille feeds into the love sex era and kind of the graffiti bridge era because early scripts have Camille as a character. There was going to be a poem read out about Camille. There was a poem in the love sexy tour book about Camille. So it feels like from AE, whenever whenever Love or Money was recorded all the way up until Money in 2009, it feels like even though we've got the Camille album, there's several things where it's like, oh, Camille just crops up for a poem or a look or another song with the vocal effect. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's, it's interesting to uh, think of that trajectory or that evolution of, of the, the sound, but Camille is definitely, definitely still there in 2009. So it's it's interesting, you know. I think of a track even like, like, uh, old school company, you know. Even that track has shades of Camille. So it's it's very interesting. So, um, any more closing thoughts? Yes. Um... I'm a massive George Michael fan, or I have been since about November, December last year. And one of the most recent albums of his that I've listened to was Faith, the 1987 album Faith. I, I love that album. Yes. Um, I've run some numbers. Um, this will all make sense why I'm bringing up George Michael. Sign of the Times was released on March 30th and the 31st in 1987. And then on October the 30th, which is six months later to the day, George Michael's Faith comes out. And if you please, listeners, go and listen to Faith because it's an amazing album. This, If you listen to the song specifically, I Want Your Sex and Hard Day, specifically Hard Day, right at the end, George speeds up his vocals as well. And I was thinking, this sounds like Camille. I wonder if he'd have heard Sign of the Times in was recording the session was recording the album in time to say let's do my own Camille thing and the fact there was a six month gap between I'm not saying he did but there might have been a chance that he heard it but in a later interview George Michael said that he absolutely wanted to be in the same stratosphere as Michael Jackson and Prince and Faith was the first album by a white solo artist to hit number one on the billboard top black charts oh wow so i feel like that's a very close range influence of the camille album the fact that george michael who is a white solo artist for let's do the same thing and topped the black album charts wow that's remarkable and i just i just got an idea for a a spinoff podcast and i might Posted on the Purple Nights podcast channel because I don't really have a- any other channel where I can post long form videos or podcasts. But we should do a we should do a separate podcast sometime on George Michael because in my in my estimation he's one of the top three uh, best male vocalists of all time, just unreal. So yeah, we definitely need to do that and. Uh, you know, peace and love to George, you know. Peace and love to George. May he rest in peace. And also Prince as well. P- 
peace and love to Prince. I always, I think of Prince every day. And uh, I'd like to say I, I talk to him uh, quite often. Um, and uh, I just love feeling connected to his energy. And, and doing this podcast is a big part of that. And, uh, but we just want to give respect where respect is due. And George Michael and Prince are two of the best to ever do it. So uh, props to those two. And, and uh, we love you and we miss you, but you're still with us in our hearts. So thank you so much for the art you shared with the world and the, uh, the emotion and the, the deepest parts of yourselves that you shared with the world while you were with us. So uh, thank you so much for that. Uh, I have yeah. one final point. Yes, yes. Okay, so um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the music genre hyperpop. No. Okay, so there's a genre of music called hyperpop and it features sped up vocals high shift pitched vocals and I'm pretty sure I can't remember if it was a TikTok or an article I tried to find it whilst I was taking notes but I heard somewhere that um hyper pop vocals are sped up or pitch shifted because transgender artists gravitated towards this digital artificial use of technology to make them sound more like more feminine and just on an off chance, I googled hyperpop vocals, and there was one article that came up that said many of the genre's key players are trans. Vocal modulation has allowed artists to explore the fluidity of gender with their voices. And if that isn't Camille, I don't know what is. So I, I'm not trying to say that Prince created hyperpop, but <laughs> I feel like there's definitely an influence at least. Well, you know, George Lopez in that in that you know 2012 or 2011 interview when he was on george lopez uh george lopez said that prince uh created texting or you know text text speak so we might as well give him credit for hyperpop as well but uh yeah um no i'm just joking but um yeah that's very very interesting um any other thoughts? Yeah, I was just going to say that um, you've probably not, I don't want to assume, but I don't think you've heard of the artist 100 Gex, I think it is. No. That's a hyperpop artist that I was okay. going to say, if you want to know hyperpop, go listen to 100 Gex. And I was going to say that if somebody comes at us in the comments being like, Prince didn't invent hyperpop, then I was going to say, who's the guy who invented text speak? I mean... This guy pioneered everything, hyperpop, tech speak. Prince was the guy or the girl for Camille. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'd I'd like to close this out by, first first of all, I'll say where you can get a hold of me. Uh, You can get a hold of me on Twitter at PK Podcast or my Facebook is facebook.com slash ChrisJ80. That's ChrisJ80. I'll put those up on screen so you can see them typed out. But uh, Vicky, where can people find you on social media? I would love for people to engage with me. Um, 
my Twitter, my Twitter is Vicky Exley. That's the username. Um, on Medium, which is where I normally post um, my album reviews and any other writings, is Vicky Lee, and Facebook is Vicky Lee. So um, just type in my name and you'll probably find me. But I'd love to speak to some people about this. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. And I'd like to thank you so much for for coming on and, and doing this today. Um, thank you for having me. Yes, I know we've we've talked quite a bit at length, you know, through Twitter, through DMs, and you're a very cool person. You make very cool playlists, and you, thank you. You've uh, you've you know been very kind to me and said some very kind things about me and the work that I do. So I, I appreciate that immensely. It means really a lot to me. So thank you so much for your friendship. And I, I hope it continues and I hope we can do this again sometime on a podcast, whether it's about Prince or George Michael or whatever, you know, I hope we can do this again. I know the time difference is a little tricky to figure out and I know it's, it's probably uh, getting pretty late there where you are, but um, what is what is it about eight eight thirty there now? Um, yeah, but I woke up at midday, so it's like ten a.m. for me. Okay, <laughs> okay, that works. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that's that's great. But um, yeah, thank you so much for doing this, and I I hope we can do it again in the future. And yeah, definitely definitely write that write that essay on on if i was your girlfriend and and uh if you need any help or any uh you know um if you need a proofreader or you know if you need to discuss you know the content of the paper or if you want a writing partner you know i could definitely help in any of those capacities but i think it it warrants your thoughts warrant uh further exploration on that so it's fascinating stuff, and I, I hope you write it. So, just for you, because you've been so kind to me, then I think I will. Well, I'll thank see what you. I can do. Thank you so much. That means a okay. lot. That that touches my heart. So, thank you so much. You're welcome, and thank and, you. And uh, definitely, you're very, very, very welcome. And and uh, that'll that'll about do it for this this edition of the Purple Nights podcast. Uh, you can find us on, I don't believe I've mentioned this before on a previous podcast, but you can now find us on Instagram at Purple Nights Podcast. And until next time, this is Chris Johnson. Thank you so much. We'll see you later, everybody. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.